Welcome to the Freedom Formula for Physicians podcast, where it's all about slashing your debt, slashing your taxes, and creating a liberated lifestyle. And now, your host, who met his wife while training for the 400 meters in Seattle and is eating gluten-free while lusting after bread, Dave Denniston. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Freedom Formula for Physicians podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping doctors like you slash your debt, slash your taxes, and live a liberated lifestyle. Well, I am going to wade today into a topic that's a little bit controversial, but something that I do feel very strongly about. What is that topic? Timing the market. Can we time the market? Is it possible? How do you go about it? How do you think about it? How do you, what are strategies that work and don't work? What are the pros and cons? So I want to dive deeply into that topic. And what's interesting about this particular idea is that so many people subscribe to what I would call buy and hold and adjust. And in the buy and hold and adjust camp, which I would throw people like the white coat investor, someone like physician on on fire, a lot of the people that are incredibly intelligent thought leaders that have done very well for themselves. And I'm here to say that that's not a bad strategy to have, buy and hold and adjust. But what always hits me about thinking of that particular strategy is they they say, you can't go off of past data in order to time the market. But in fact, you know, when you look at average rate of returns and you start doing comparisons, what are you doing but going back to past data on what has happened in the past with a buy and hold and adjust uh, mentality? And in the time that most of my career of having been a financial advisor from, I've been in this business since 2002, I'd say from, from the great recession of 2008 to now, that buy and hold and adjust has looked absolutely amazing. The Nike swoosh effect is, is uh, what I've heard other people call it. I mean, just the, the heck of a run of, of a decade plus of amazing returns, even from the the top of the 2007 uh, top through the the end of let's say 20 um, 20 2021 time frame, and we talk about all the time in disclosures for financial planning. Hey, never rely on the past past performance to indicate what's going to happen in the future. And I think that is so true of those of us that believe in buy and hold and adjust. Now, reality is buy and hold and adjust over 50 or 60 years has worked wonderfully. And I question, will that continue 
to be the case in the future. It very well might be. It very well might be that stocks return six, seven, eight, nine, ten percent if you just buy the S&P 500 and sit on it for the next two decades. Warren Buffett very much talks about this kind of mentality as well. And let's be honest, it's easy. There is very little work involved with it. It is literally the most passive thing you could possibly do. You talk about passive income. I find, and you've heard me probably talk about, ain't no passive income in this world. You know, there's, there's residual income, but very few things involve little to no work. Well, the buy and hold and adjust mentality Absolutely. That is totally passive. And um, where I believe, as we look at client portfolios, you should have buy and hold and adjust as part of your portfolio. But maybe because this next decade may not look like the last one or two or three or four decades. Maybe the next 10 years is going to look different. Maybe we should diversify our strategies and how we're managing money a little bit. And so I wanted to talk today about the January effect and some of what I've seen, some of what works and what doesn't work with it, and to present some compelling evidence of why I think you should take advantage of this. Now, let me just say that with um, any of these things, none of them are perfect. Nothing works all the time. You're, you're not going to be able, in my opinion, to perfectly time the market. However, with making an adjustment or two a year, I think you can add substantial value to your portfolio and help to add another strategy that may work well. Not guaranteed, but may work well. All right, so let's talk about the January effect. I was originally exposed to this through a book called The Stock Trader's Almanac. Really good book, gets put out on an annual basis, all kinds of interesting facts and factoids on the market by people that like to time it. And there's a few strategies in there that I, I really don't agree with. But what I like about the January effect is it's easy to implement, it's easy to see the results, and, and um, easy to understand the concept, basically. Which really boils down to this. When January is good, historically, the market tends to be really good. When January is negative or bad, you have a 50-50 shot of the year turning out to be a really atrocious year. But maybe it doesn't turn out that way. So we'll talk more about all of these different things. Now, when I studied the Stock Traders Almanac, I broke it down. I kept an open mind as to, gosh, is this something that could work for me? Is this something I should be using for, for clients or not? And so as I studied it, 
and took a look at it, what I found is that I could really start separating out Januaries into three different camps. January 4% positive or more. January slightly positive of 0 to 3.9%, 3.99%, and then a negative January. So what I mean by, by a negative January, meaning the price on December 31st of the prior year, how does it change by January 31st of this year? And so to give you an idea, in this particular year where we are right now today with where the market started, how January went in 2023, we started out out the out the year at about 3,800 on the S and P, and then uh, it went up to about 4,060 and change uh, with the S and P. Meaning January was up 6.29 percent. Meaning it fell under that first category of a positive 4 percent or greater January. So again, three different buckets, January 4% or greater, January 0 to 3.99, and January negative. So just for the month of January, how, how, uh, well, how does that go and what happens? Uh, just to give you a sample of some other recent Januaries, in 2022, negative 5.3 for January, 2021, negative 1, 2020, ever so barely negative, negative 0.04%, 2019, positive 8, 2018, positive 5, 2017, positive 1.8, 2016, negative 4.98. So that, that's just a recent thing. If you want to have the whole data, I recommend checking out Stock Traders Almanac. Also, if someone is really curious, I'd be happy to share with them the data that I've collected. So if we break down each of those years, last year, when we had a negative 5.27% January, the market, the S&P 500, was down negative 19.5% by the end of the year. So negative January, really negative year. But what about 2021, when January was negative 1, slightly negative? Oh, it was up 27% year before that. The very, very slightly negative, negative 0.04%, year was up 16. So you can already see in that small sample of the last three full years that we have, uh, negative January last year, which was a more negative January, turned out to be a really bad year. But you can see in 2021, negative 1, 2020, negative 0.04. Now, as I look at this data, that I have in front of me, I'm keeping track of several things. What was the beginning value, the low point, the high point, the ending value, the low point percentage, meaning what was that low point as a percentage from the beginning of the year? What was the date of that low point? What was the high point of the year? Meaning how high did the market go? And then what was the year ending percentage? What was the January percentage? Broken down year by year. Data going all the way from 1930 all the way to now. So literally almost 100 years worth of data here to compare and contrast. Now, if we, if we really look at the Jan effect, 
not including this year, because this year isn't done yet, but all the other prior years, since the 1930s, I believe, I kept track of. Let's see here. No, I think I went back to 1950. So of 1950 through 2022, there was 22 instances of a positive 4% or greater January. There were 21 instances of a slightly positive January 0 to 0.39%. And then there have been 29 instances of a negative January. So none of this is none of these are like five, right? There, there's substantial data, far more than a set of 10 in each of these to really help us be able to say, you know what, there, there might be something to this. So let's talk about the um, negative Januaries first in terms of that, which we have the greatest data set, 29 total instances in, uh, in the last uh, bit here. Of those, let's talk about the worst, let's talk about the best and, and averages and everything in between. The worst year from 1950 to now was 2008. Negative January of negative 6%. How did the year end? Negative 38. What's interesting is um, there was practically no, there was no high point that year. The high point was December 31st of 2007. You know, it, it never looked back. Things just kept falling, 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 falling with some ups and downs in between, but it never reached above the December 31st, 2007 price. All right. Low point was negative 48%. Pretty stinking bad. And if, if you start looking at some of the worst uh, years, they're pretty much all here. 2008, 1974, 2002, 2020, 1962, 2022, 1970. Those were uh, the years that had the lowest low points and more often than not had a double digit negative year. And I could go on and on with these. 2020 being an exception where we got to a negative 30% and then the year ended up positive. And now a commercial break. Well, my friends, you have probably heard I am now a completely independent financial advisor. And and as the time that uh, I, I am recording this, the stock market is down. Now, there's a lot of question in terms of where is the market going? Where should I be investing my money? There's no better time than now to get a review of your portfolio and make sure that you are set up properly. As a matter of fact, tax season is around the corner too. Maybe you're looking for some tax tax strategies and hints and you want someone to talk it over with besides your CPA. Feel free to give my assistant Kyla a call at 612-284-2409 to set up a free 30-minute strategy session with me. Again, call 612-284-209 to set up a free 30-minute strategy session with me. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. And now back to the show. Now, if I look at the low points here, all right, we take all of the negative Januaries, which includes years like 1956, 1992, 2014, which had positive ending years, positive 2.6, positive 4.5, positive 11, positive 3, and so on and so on. 
the average low point for all negative Januaries is negative 17. The average January, negative January, is a negative 3.78%, meaning that from that, that um, January to the low point during the year, you have a spread of about negative 13%. So a double-digit drop being very, very common in a negative January, despite how the year ends. Now, how does the average year end? Negative 2.7%, which means if January was negative 3.38, the average year was negative 2.7, you basically were flat and slightly positive from January through the end of the year, a whole positive 1%, right? There's not a lot of upside in a negative January from January through the end of the year, but it doesn't necessarily mean you should sell out everything because if we look at how many years are positive, we got by the end of the year, we got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 14 out of the 29 and then a positive year, meaning that they go from an average of negative 3.8 to actually a positive number. And so this is why I suggest in a negative January, don't go selling all your stocks. It just doesn't make sense. If you want to hedge it a little bit, maybe reduce your stock exposure some, I think you can make a case for that. I think you can make a case if you do that, then, hey, if you hit a double-digit negative of negative 15% or more, which happens an awful lot of the time, a total of about 16, 17 times, about 50% of the time, maybe that's a great point at which to get more aggressive because we know how the year ends on average. And you're reducing your risk by um, buying relatively low. So again, let me repeat here. Never sell all of your equity exposure because the negative January can and is wrong 50% of the time. But if you want to hedge it in a negative January, let's say you had 90% in stocks, you know what? Not a bad time to take profits from prior years, make it 70% in stocks. Let's see how the year goes. You know what? Gosh, we're down negative 15. Let's add more to stocks at this point because things are down double digits low. Great time to buy on average. If it gets to negative 25 or negative 30%, even more reason to get more aggressive. You know, maybe if you had gotten back to 90, 10, go to 100 at that particular point. We'll talk more about that again um, in the future. So that's a negative January and how I believe you might be able to take advantage of such things and why you shouldn't sell out of getting rid of all of your equity exposure in that kind of scenario. Let's talk about a slightly positive January. Now, we look at slightly positive Januaries. Remember, the, the average low point for negative was negative 17. Average low point for a slightly positive January, negative 5. So it's very rare, although it does happen, that you'll get to a double-digit low point during a slightly positive January year. 
There's only two inst- uh, three instances of when that's happened. 1992 was the negative uh, low point of 20. Uh, 2011, negative low point of 12 and a half. And 2001, negative low point of 26. And that's three out of 21 instances. So 15% chance, you know, the majority of the time, 85% of the time, at least so far to this point, you don't want to wait for some double digit drop like you might in a negative January. As a matter of fact, if you look at the high point for the year, the average high point is 15.4% when the average January was a positive 1.96, meaning there's a spread there from from the um, January to the high point of about 13%. For the year, the average year ends up positive 11.61. So that puts you at about a positive 9.5% spread from January through the end of the year. Here to me in this case, I would say this is a great year not to make any adjustments. If you have 60 or 70 or 80 percent in stocks, hold it. Don't make any changes because the numbers and history, I believe, is, is on our side in this case. What's also interesting, if you look at the low point dates, a lot of them are in January, not not about half of them are in January, meaning, hey, you know, like the rest of the year is good. You have plenty of years here that are positive 20, positive 27, positive 15, positive 19, positive 27. As a matter of fact, for the whole year from uh, the, the December 31st through the following December 31st, there are only four instances that the year ends negative. So about one out of every five slightly positive Januarys ends in a negative year. So can it happen? Absolutely. But that means about 16 out of 21, you have a pretty darn good year on average. Lots and lots of double digits here. So again, recommendations so far of what we've talked about. Negative Januarys might want to think about reducing your stock exposure some but don't go crazy and sell the whole thing, all right? And use a double-digit dip at which to buy more. Slightly positive January, hold on to what you got. There ain't no reason to make a change here. If you have a 70-30 allocation, keep it. You have an 80-20 allocation, keep it. If you have maybe 20 or 30% in stocks, you know what? This might be a good year to get more to a traditional allocation. If you have a ton sitting in cash, this might be a good year to add some stock exposure. On average, right? We're dealing with a law of large numbers here. Any one year can be different than the averages. Let's talk about 4%. This year, what is happening this year where we had a very positive January of 6% plus, all right? So if we look at the very positive Januarys, 4% or more, 22 instances of those. Now with this year, it'll be 23. So the 23rd in 2023, how about that? So of these 22 instances where we've gone for the full year, uh, man, the uh, the low point is zero <laughs> uh, more than half the time. And as a matter of fact, there's only been one year where there was a double digit low point. So one out of 22 less than a 5% chance of having a double-digit low point, all right? What about the high point? 
average high point of 25%. That is the average, right? Some years are better, some years are worse. There has never been a high point which hasn't been double digits. Not a single instance, not one where the high point isn't double digits. Average January, 6%. Average high point, 25. A 19% spread from the end of January to the height for the year. The average year, positive 21% from December 31st to December 31st when uh, you have a positive 4% or greater January, meaning a spread of 15%. 15% from January to the rest of the year. And if we look at these, these years, there was one instance, 2018, where the year was negative, negative 6%. 20, uh, 1987 had a negative spread, but the year was still positive. 1987 was the best January ever, a positive 13.2%. Positive 13.2. How did the year end? A positive two. So a negative spread, but the year was still positive. If you started on January 1st and held through December 31st. Isn't that something? Uh, from January was negative, but the rest of the year, it still turned out squeaking out a positive return. So amazing there. And so, uh, my friends, you know, we, we look at this data, we look at this year, of course, the, maybe this is a year like 2018, where we had a positive 5% January, we ended up negative six. Maybe this is a year like 2019, where the January is up 8% and the year was up 28.8% in that year. Uh, I believe, as, as I look at this, as I look at my clients, you know what? Um, it really makes sense to highly consider stepping up your risk tolerance a notch. Remember that example I was talking about, 90-10? Maybe this is the year you go for 100. This is the year you go for 100% in stocks because on average, it's on your side, on your side for this year. Now, as I mentioned, every year is different, right? This is the law of large numbers. What I believe all of this tells us is the power of momentum, right? You, you start out, that, that old story of starting out with a small little snow, snowball. It rolls down the hill, it gets a little bigger. Rolls down the hill, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, and bigger, bigger until you have an avalanche. I believe that is true here with the positive 4% January. It's true as well with the, um, to a degree, with the negative Januaries. And of course, we have the in-betweener of a slightly positive. So that's how I think you should be using this data as part of your overall strategy. Not that you get crazy aggressive with all of your money, but maybe like in your Roth IRA. Great place to take some risk. You have no tax consequences for buying and selling stuff. Maybe in your traditional IRA or 401k, you could do something like that. Uh, but I would just caution you, this should just be one part to complement the rest of your portfolio. Have buy and hold and adjust. 
be a big part of your portfolio. But what if that strategy is wrong the next 10 years? Utilize the January effect to help you with another part of your portfolio so you don't have all of your eggs in the basket of one strategy. And all you have to do, look what happened in January to make an adjustment in February, right? That's, that's all you gotta do with this. Very easy to see, very easy to implement. And that's why I like it and I like using it. And I plan on doing so again in the future. Well, my friends, if you have any questions, would love and hear them from you, feel free to email me, dave at daviddeniston.com, and we can chat about it. Again, dave at daviddeniston.com. Well, this wraps up, my friends, another episode of the Freedom Formula for Physicians podcast. Remember to slash your debt, slash your taxes, and live a liberated lifestyle. Well, thank you, my friends, so much for listening to the last podcast. I am pleased to announce that I am now a completely independent financial advisor, where to the point now I can really integrate my financial planning practice with this podcast. If you might be looking for help, if you have found any of our information here interesting or relevant and you're looking for a second opinion, I'm making myself available for 30-minute strategy sessions. And if you want to arrange a time to meet with me to discuss your situation and see if we might be a good fit for one another, I'd like you to call our office and speak with Kyla. Our phone number is 612-284-2409. Again, that's 612-284-2409. And I look forward to helping you with your financial situation. And now for some lovely legal disclosures required by our lawyer friends. Investment advice is only offered in jurisdictions where Centurion Financial Strategies, LLC, Centurion is appropriately registered or exempt from registration. Our Form ADV Part 2 brochure can be obtained free of charge at advisorinfo.sec.gov by searching for our firm name or its unique CRD number, which is 316-454. This podcast is not a solicitation to provide advisory services in any jurisdiction in which we are not appropriately registered or the information, statements, and opinions contained in this podcast have been obtained from or are based on information obtained from sources which we believe to be reliable, but we do not warrant or guarantee the timeliness or accuracy of such information. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only and should not be construed as personalized investment, tax, or legal advice. Opinions expressed by any guest are their own opinions and do not necessarily reflect the firm's views. You should carefully consider your own financial circumstances and needs prior to making any investment in securities or purchasing any insurance products. As always, past performance is not indicative of future results. Investing in securities or really anything else involves the risk of loss. If by some chance in this particular podcast I mentioned insurance products, insurance products are backed by the financial strength and claims paying ability of an issuing insurance company. They may be subject to restrictions, limitations, and early withdrawal fees, which vary by issue. You should always consider the charges, risks, expenses, and investment objective of any insurance products before entering a contract. And that, my friends, wraps it up. Wish you all the best. Feel free to contact us with any info at www.daviddeniston.com. Thank you so much and have a good one. Bye-bye.